And so I talk a lot about like the Puerto Rican flag in, in my art because like in the 30s, um, it was illegal to own one, um, or maybe was that the 30s, maybe the 40s, I don't know, um, bad with dates, but it used to be illegal to own one and that was punishable by like a decade in prison. And then eventually that, that law got, yeah, that law got repealed. And after that is kind of like when the Puerto Rican parade in New York was born, just like mm -hmm. as a big celebration, like these are our flags, we can own them now. Um, and as a kid, I felt like a lot of shame uh, with the Puerto Rican flag and like the loudness of people's um, like pride for their island. And I didn't really fully understand. And I think like putting that together in my adulthood has, has, has kind of like shown, sh given me more pride in just like just a simple thing like owning a flag and displaying the flag and like this is this is my act of saying like um this is who i am and like you can't uh, make this like this isn't illegal anymore uh this is who i am and you can't make that quiet hey it's a Brazil. new york i know you Hey humans, what's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla. My name is Adrian Burke, or Adrian Burke, which is my that's my real name, so I might as well just say that, but you get it. Anyway, I made, I created this show, <laughs> and I'm really excited to have you back. This is our third quarantine episode, uh, recorded via Zoom, so please excuse any audio blips. I did my best to edit them out, but um, so as I'm sure everyone is hyper aware, sometimes uh, Zoom calls are fucked up, so please just roll with it. I'm so excited to have you here, and let's get into this week's guest. Our guest this week is the cool as hell Michael John Improta. Uh, Mike is a, he's an old friend of mine. I've known him for a few years. We met a few years ago when we were both working and taking classes at the Barrow Group Theater in New York City. Uh, Mike is an awesome actor and writer and apparently aspiring tap dancer of Puerto Rican descent uh, from New Haven, Connecticut. Um, he's a really great actor. He's also an ensemble member of the New York Neo Futurists who uh, currently have a really cool uh, podcast called Hit Play, which you can find on wherever you find your podcast. It was recently featured in the New York Times. It's really popping right now. You should go check it out. They do really awesome non-illusory theater. Uh, it was really cool to talk to Mike. This interview has been a long time coming. Literally since I started the show, I was like, I need to get Mike and Proto on the show. Uh, so I'm really, really happy that it finally happened. Uh, and I'm excited for you to listen to this one. I promise you this. Material shit don't make you rich. All right. <laughs> Hi, Mike. What's up, Adrian? <laughs> uh, what's going on? Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being on the show. Welcome, welcome to La Mescla. How how are you? What's your deal? How I don't I don't know why I'm starting the show this way. Let's just start it normally. Please introduce yourself to <laughs> friends and tell them. Oh, cool. What's uh, up? What your mix is, who you are, where you're from. Let's just get the the simple shit out of the way dope dope uh i'm michael john and proto i i uh theater maker in new york um i'm half puerto rican and half white uh but i guess i guess the specific flavor of white uh, the italian 
all right and uh yeah i work with the the, the new york neo futurists which is dope and currently we are all uh locked up in our houses so that's fun too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and where are you like where where does your family live yeah so um all my family's in in connecticut uh like right around the new haven area um uh-huh. i grew up like in new haven and uh my mother lives in North Haven, like just north, and my father lives in West Haven, which, you know, just west um, suburbs of, uh, yeah, Connecticut, mostly. Uh, my grandmother's still in Puerto Rico, but other than that, we're we're some we're some New England folk. And were you born in Connecticut? Yeah, yeah, I was born in New Haven at Yale Yale Hospital. Uh, well, it wasn't Yale then; it was St. Raphael's, which is like a different hospital. But then, since acquired by Yale, um, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. getting so, a little, uh, getting a little local Connecticut history in the mix. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. So, so what? So, which parent is which? Your mom is the Puerto Rican one. Yeah, my mom, who like um, raised me, not totally alone, but like mostly, uh, she's Puerto Rican, um, and uh, my father's Italian, like second, it, second generation, which is which is cool. Got it. So you were raised mostly in the in the Puerto Rican culture then. Oh yeah, I, I would say that like um, often when I talk about, you know, my uh, my background. Uh, Puerto Rican comes up a lot more than Italian does. And that's not to say that I don't like also feel Italian, but I, 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 I certainly do um, identify more as, sure. as a Puerto Rican man. Uh, we're on video right now. Uh, I know you can hear this on the <laughs> podcast, but there's a Puerto Rican flag like all over my room. I see it. I like, see it. It's around a little bit. You can see yeah, them all over the place. Yeah, no, man, we've known each other for a while and you rep, you rep Puerto Rico very hard. I love it. I do. I do. Uh, uh, sometimes I feel like real self-conscious about that though. Cause it's like, <clears throat> I feel like I'm like shouting, uh, shouting how much I'm Puerto Rican, like just to make sure that I'm heard. Cause like, if I don't, then it'll be ignored. Then it'll be like missed. Yep. You know? yep. Do you, do you yeah. Feel that? Believe me. I know fucking exactly what you mean. And then like, I have yeah. those moments where I'm like, Oh God, am I overcompensating? Do I look like I'm overcompensating? Like, uh, this feels, feels weird, but at, at the end of the day, like, especially from having done so many episodes of this show, like at the end of the day, like if you're not, if you're not claiming that for yourself, then like you're like, there's no other way to maintain that connection. So. I, I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, it's at the worst times it feels like you're overcompensating, but then I, I think like you can just kind of poke through that mindset and, and just accept it as like, owning a version of your identity that you're happy with. Yeah. Are there, are there a lot of, are there a lot of Puerto Ricans in New Haven? Yo, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a little island. Uh, the part I remember like as a kid, but like is, is, is pretty crazy. Uh, I, I guess, I guess similar, similar reasons why there's like the, the Italian and Puerto Rican diaspora has spread from New York to like Jersey and yeah. New Haven is because it's like right along the coast from York. Uh, so you like land here and like the logical places to go are east or west. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in my, in my head, this is the, the explanation I've come up with. Uh, there's tons of like, especially in, in, in Connecticut, like Neapolitans, uh, strangely, uh, like okay. Italians specifically from Naples. I didn't really realize that like 
in in uh, Connecticut, there's a ton of Neapolitans, and it it, it felt like um, Italians was just like a base level of uh, uh, people uh, around mm-hmm. me because it was, and and it took like until I got to college to realize that there were like different it, like white people could be more than just Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So what, how about, talk to me about the schools you went to in Connecticut. Like what was, what were the demos like? What kind of crowd were you running with? Like, um, I, uh, like mostly I grew up in like New Haven, uh, area and I went to like arts, arts middle schools. Oh uh, shit. I didn't know that. As a, as a first, yeah, yeah, yeah. as first I was, uh, a dancer. Um, okay. Then like, yeah. And then I found my way into the theater from there. Um, but like the, the, the school was in the inner city. It's called Betsy Ross. It was a really great school. Um, I hung out with like a lot of like urban kids. Um, my, my cousins growing up who, who, who I lived with pretty much in the same apartment building were also half Puerto Rican, but they were half Puerto Rican and half black. So I, mm-hmm. I often found myself, um, hanging out with the, the young black kids too, like more, more so than, than, uh, the young white kids in middle school. That's awesome that you had so much, uh, so much interfacing with the Puerto Rican community. Because uh, speaking strictly from a, like a, a place of ignorance, when I hear Connecticut, I'm like, oh, there are no fucking Puerto Rican people to be found in Connecticut. You know what I'm saying? But it's nice. It's nice to know that there are enclaves. Yeah, and you you grew up like in in New York, Westchester. Yeah, Westchester. Yeah, so like the part of Connecticut touching New York, um, I think it's really once you go a little further in uh, to the to the cities that you find that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what did your so what did your mom do? You know, my mom was a, a, like a stay at home mom. This is a my, she's awesome. She was a stay at home mom for like um, most of my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Well, so first, when it was just her and I, she was like putting herself through school, working at Pizza Hut. Um, so like, I still love Pizza Hut to this day because I would. I fuck with Pizza Hut as a kid. Pizza Hut gets uh, unnecessary. Yeah, pizza Hut is dope. I agree. I agree that that pizza buffet that they had with the iron. Like, I remember that. <laughs> salad bar. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> they had a cherry dessert pizza. The cherry dessert pizza is still good. Um, yeah, but then she she met my stepfather and they got married and she like just was a stay at home mother for a while and then I guess right around like fifth grade she she went and got a got a government job she works uh, worked for social security and kind of like mm. slowly but surely through the years has like risen the ranks and now makes a stupid amount of money for somebody who like started with nothing you know hell yeah yeah my mom also government job my mom's an interpreter oh cool yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Does she know? Does she know other languages? Spanish interpreter, but like I, just just Spanish, just Spanish. Oh, but cool. it's like interpret interpreting work is really fucking hard. Like I really like can't even imagine being because you have to translate both languages. You have to translate both directions at the same time. Like I remember, I remember going to visit my mom at work when I was a kid and watching her and just like, I mean, Spanish is my first language, but just like having my mind boggled by like how quickly she was 
translating shit that the judge is saying and shit that the defendant it was that shit it really impresses me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i tried to translate a a uh spanish song for a, a play i was doing um like a few months ago and i i remember just like sitting there and like agonizing over two lines because there were like so many implications that you found you could find in the in the spanish lyrics and i didn't know how to like put that into english without yeah. making it a, a like a two-page essay you know yeah, yeah so much gets lost in translation for sure oh yeah so talk to me how, let's so let's talk about uh so did you go to performing arts high school i did i did mm. uh so it was uh, called the Educational Center for the Arts in New Haven, and like, has, like, like straight up get on a bus and drive twenty minutes away to the school where I just got to take like theater classes. Um, Damn. Yeah, it was really nice, like, to have people there that were also like focused on the arts and uh, really like got a mindset from them that it could just be more than like fun. Yeah, was the was the crowd similarly diverse to like the to the middle schools that you were going to or was it different i would say it was even more diverse just because like the middle schools were it was a magnet school but pretty much the only people there were were people from new haven Got um, it. whereas the eca uh busts people in from all over the county so okay i see yeah so i was i was in school with people that lived like 45 minutes away from me uh, but we all kind of like bust into this. Hey, here's a small gap in the conversation that was really hard to edit around in a seamless way. So um, I'm going to go away now and pop back into the conversation after our connection was restored. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? It's the way of the world. Uh, no, I was just asking if you were in high school, if you were specialized to theater or if it was more of a general like arts curriculum. Uh, no, it was it was specialized. We you got to you had to audition to get in, and um, so I auditioned for like the theater, the department, it. and we we learned a lot other than just acting. But it was pretty specific to acting. But there were there were also like stage management classes that we would take. Uh, um, and then like, I think twice a week, you would get to choose an elective, which was whatever you wanted in some other form, um, medium of art. So like, I took a, took a dance class. I took a, a guitar class. I tried to learn how to play the guitar for like the nice. maybe 30th time of my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> been there, been there. <laughs> I've just concluded that my, my, my hands don't know how to like hold the neck of a, of a guitar. I just like, I just don't have the discipline. I can do basic shit on the guitar. I took lessons for a little while when I was like a teenager, but like, I just don't have the discipline to like do it all the time. Like I, I can't do it. Me either. Me either. And I also just like, it hurts my fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Holding the string hurts my fingers. Honestly, I I haven't heard a better reason to not play the guitar. So. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So who are you? What what I kind the, of? I play the piano now. <laughs> Beautiful. A lot easier on the fingers. A lot exactly. easier on the fingers. Exactly. So who? What kind of what kind of theater did you fuck with when you were in high school? Like just studying and starting out. Were you like a Broadway kid? Were you more into like straight plays? 
I, um, I didn't, I didn't love Broadway, but like there were, I definitely liked musicals more than I liked um, straight plays. Um, mm. But like, I think specifically, I really liked like kind of like dark, edgy things because I thought that's what I was, you know, as a, yeah, a yeah. Sure. Yeah, we were we were similar. We were similar. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So like I I, lo- I remember like when I realized what Pippin was about, I was like, what? They're like oh, oh, to shit. Get this kid to kill himself? And I loved yeah. it. I was obsessed. Yeah, yeah. Um and like fan of the opera, like I liked that because it was like kind of gothic. Um and I mean I think In the Heights kind of came out like right around that time too. And uh my introduction to that kind of was, uh, I did this like hip hop musical after my freshman year of high school that was in the New York uh, Musical Theater Festival. Oh, and it, was about Latin, it was about Latin kings. So I was like on stage as a, a Latin king kid doing this musical and I felt like a connection to the material and to like the stories. Nice. And I was like, fuck, like this is even cooler because I'm also singing and rapping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Do you remember the name of the show? Uh, yeah, it was called Kingdom um, by this, by this, the writer, still a friend of mine, Aaron Jafaris, he's a New Haven based uh, playwright, rapper, poet. Shout outs. Uh, he's dope. Ooh, can you hear me? I, yeah, 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 I got you. Oh, okay, cool. I thought I lost you for a second. That's dope. So where, so did you, you also went to school, college for acting, right? Yeah, yeah, I got a BFA. Uh, Damn, dude, you went, you went hard. You went all in. I did. I did. For better or worse, I, I was focused. <laughs> I, I remember that, that hearing, um, what about your backup plan? I was like, that's defeatist. No. You know, honestly, I feel you. Like I, well, granted, when I was younger, I was much more about backup plan. But these days, especially in times like these, yeah. where like everything feels so arbitrary, people are like, what's your backup plan? I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. So, yeah, so I went, to, I went to the University of Connecticut um known for basketball oh, but you know that's a great that's a great theater school though i remember going and visiting because i had a friend who was in their theater program oh really yeah family yeah, friend this person she's a few years older than us so possibly not Word. yeah i loved i loved going there man it was it was cool i got to drive my car home to see my, my parents on the weekends because uh, it was close to home um Going to school for, for, for acting is so interesting because like <laughs> we, I, I, would go to, I would go to class and get like massaged in the mornings, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean, I didn't go to acting school, but I've taken enough classes where I feel like I have a, a good enough idea of it. Sure. Where, where did you go to school? I went to BU, but I went, uh, I went for film. Uh, I didn't go for, uh, for acting. And it's like, they have a great acting program there. I just like, I was... I, I was scared because I love, I've always loved acting, but I was scared that it would start to feel like work, like homework. Like it would stop mm-hmm. being something I enjoyed if I went to like a conservatory or something. I wanted to go to BU so bad. Ooh. So bad. That was, like, <laughs> that was like my number one school. Listen, it's not that great. I mean, the theater program is great, but like the actual experience of being there is like fine. <laughs> Sorry to anybody, if anybody out there is like, yeah I'll be you like sorry <laughs> did you did you like living in boston yeah i mean i was born there actually oh cool 
Yeah, I was born in Boston and then we moved down to New York when I was like two. So technically I'm from Boston, but I don't really, I, I'm from here a lot more than I'm from Boston. I have like zero memories of living there. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. It's a cool place to go to school. I'm not trying to shit on, I think I definitely do have some listeners in Boston, but I'm not trying to shit on Boston. It's a great place. I just don't personally, I don't want to live there. Granted, I'm from here and like, if you're from New York, you become a huge fucking snob about any other city. So that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> did you? So did you? Did you go back home after college? Did you come straight to New York? I went back home for two days, and uh, wow. yeah, I ignored the pleas of my mother. She was like, "Can you stay with me for like a few months?" I was like, "Mom, if I don't leave now, I'm never leaving." Like I gotta yes. go. If if, yes, if, yes. if I get used to like not paying rent and just staying home, I'm not gonna leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had like a sublet set up in Washington Heights. I lived in Washington Heights for like two months. Um, hey. And uh, <laughs> this is my only this is my only time living anywhere other than Crown Heights, Brooklyn. The two months when I first got here in in the Heights, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I love I it. I just had no friends up there. That's fair. I mean, increasingly a lot of, there's a lot of artists and shit up here. It's just like, it's split between up in the Heights and in deep ass Brooklyn. Yeah, that's right. At the time, I just didn't know anybody that lived up there. All of yeah. the friends, that, all the people I knew were, were in Brooklyn. So I was like, all right, I guess if I want to have a social life, I got to go there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what, so was the, what was the game plan? Was it like, I'm fucking auditioning, I'm going for it, I'm going to EPAs, like, Talk to me about the journey, my friend. Yeah, man. I I uh, very quickly like I came to New York. Um, like the first audition I had was for that uh, um, that Orlando Bloom Romeo and Juliet. Oh my god! That? I for- yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I auditioned for like the role of Paris. I didn't get it, but um, like that's dope very, though. Very, very that was your, quickly, I was like, that was your first audition. Yeah, which I think that's like, crazy. Like, totally ruined me for like a while because i was like i don't want to audition for that were you, were you kidding me that's because crazy like a, a dumb kid um, <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh just like up to the audition thing for a while i did a lot of work with like the the directors up at, at columbia which i thought was dope and uh most of the time i was just bartending mm. the struggle the struggle man <laughs> Did you, and how, did, did you find the, um, let's talk about your, like, about, like, your social circles. Did you find yourself, I'm assuming, gravitating to a lot of other artists and stuff? I pretty much only hung out with people I went to college with. Um, Got it. There was, like, a solid group of, like, eight people in Crown Heights that, like, all graduated from UConn, like, around the same time. So I would, I would just, like, pretty much just hang out with those people, solid friend group in the city. Um, yeah, you had a crew. I had a crew, for sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not great at, like, meeting new friends uh, often. <laughs> you, know, I think. you heard it here, folks. folks Michael, John, and Brodick is bad at making friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not true. No, I no shade. I'm the, I'm the same way. It's, I think especially as you get 
a li- older the older you get the harder it is to make a new friend because it just feels goofy like at a certain point i'm not old by any means but i'm like i'm 27 now when i was 23 i could be like hey what's up i'm adrian nice to meet you now i now it just feels goofy to be like hey do you want to do you want to be friends i don't know right right <laughs> maybe I, that's I, just my social anxiety i don't know i find the questions i want to ask people just like totally inappropriate for just meeting somebody you like know? what like like I, I want to ask somebody like, oh yeah, dude, like when, wh- like what's the first thing you would think when you wake up in the morning? You're like weird <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> like, really, things you could ask a stranger. That's you know? su- that's also such like an actory thing of like I just want to like get to know you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so okay, so all right, we're like in New York. So talk to me about yeah. how. How? Because I met you at the Barrow Group, but you were not yet in the Neo Futurists, right? Oh, oh shit! I, I, I just missed all of what you just said. It's all good. I'm gonna edit it out. <laughs> uh, so I w- like I met you when we were both working at the Barrow Group a few years ago, but you weren't in the Neo Futurists yet, right? When did you start that? Right. Yeah. Uh, I I had like. The Barrow Group was when was that? Twenty sixteen, I think. Yeah, and yeah, it was around. I uh, around twenty sixteen, and then I had like a year in between, um, and I auditioned for the Neo Futurists last year, so twenty nineteen. Yeah, so I, I've I've been I've been a member of the New York Neo Futurists for just a little over a year now. Um, cool. So t- just to explain to my mom's friends who are listening, what is that? What are the Neo Futurists? <laughs> cool. Yeah, we're a, a, a theater company collective of uh, writer, director, performer, producers who, who um, our show is very simply, it's 30 plays in an hour. We do 30 short plays and we fit them all into 60 minutes and the plays are all true things. It's like nonfiction theater um, and they're like funny and wacky and sometimes sad and sometimes um d- uh, sometimes it's a dance uh yeah yeah and y'all have been doing in the lockdown you've been doing like virtual shows right yeah yeah so we have uh, a podcast now uh new york times hit us up and g- gave us a very very nice review what's uh, up pod- there in the times everybody what's up hell yeah uh, the podcast is called Hit Play, Hit, Hit okay. Play Podcast. It's on all the, the podcast things. Um, and we we kind of like pivoted our our aesthetic and are making audio experiments. They're like audio plays and they're still, um, you know, true. They're still us. We're still not playing characters and saying true things and doing the things that we're saying we're doing. Um, they're just uh, in a podcast form now because that is the world we live in. That's dope. Had you had you already been writing before getting into the New York Futurist, or was this sort of like an intro? I had I had been writing. Uh, we remember we were, oh, we were right. to write that play. <laughs> I just remembered. I just remembered. Shoutouts to the now collective theater company, which is run by our by our friend Sean McGrath. We were Michael and I were both writers. We were like trying to write a play via writers' room, which made yeah. Which made no sense in the first place, but we I like still have pages from that from that thing we were writing together, and then nobody even said we weren't doing it anymore. We just never had another meeting about it. That was like three there's years still a, ago. 
There's still a picture of all of us sitting down, like posing as the writers of this thing from some like. If there, if there is, if there is one thing that's true about artists of our generation is that everybody has like promo materials from a project that never materialized. <laughs> I guess I never realized that before, but that's so funny. I have, I have a picture of this like busted, broken down piano with this Puerto Rican flag waving above it. Uh, that is is the poster for the play that I have not written yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's so funny. So what? So what's it been like? Have you have you like? This sounds very like camp counselor question, but have you learned anything about yourself as a performer or a human through this whole non-illusory theater thing and writing for yourself as opposed to writing a character? Um. I mean, yeah, yeah, I've, I've learned about myself a ton. I think, I think I've learned about theater a lot too and like the, the, the stories that are interesting on stage and, and how um, really most of them come from us, you know? Like real shit is just more compelling than fake shit. Um, yeah. And I think that's true even when you're writing fiction, you know? I think mm. that, that that still holds true even in a world that um, is a fiction world. Um, and I think it's interesting too, because the Barrow Group, which which I met you there, uh, I feel like this was like the beginning of my path onto um, non-illusory stuff. Because I, I know like their big thing is uh, that they don't want to see you acting, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. And uh, then shortly after that, I was like, not only do we not, do we not want to see you acting, but like you should be you, like be be Michael John and Proda. Don't be yeah, uh, Senor Frog. <laughs> your signature character senor frog oh of course of course yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think there's something really fucking daunting about that that like a lot of performers probably myself included would like crumble under that pressure of like okay you're gonna do the show where you write all these plays and you're gonna perform all of them and you're you have to be a million percent yourself like there's no there's no hiding behind a character or hiding behind some bit that you create like i'm a comedian like 90% of our time is spent hiding behind some bit that we've constructed to like mask our true self. So like, I just think there's something, every time I see the the Infinite Wrench, which by the way, everybody, the Neo's show is called the Infinite Wrench. Like every time I've seen it, uh, I'm like kind of blown away by that. Cause I don't know that I would be able to to do that. Do you feel me? Do you, that's, that's interesting that you, you say that like the, the stand, like comedians, are building up walls because that's not like how I perceive it at all. Um, I think I think it's a similar thing. You're just like the 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 you that maybe you put on stage is is um, I don't know. Do you feel like that's not you? Not not entirely. Not entirely. Especially if it's written material. I guess if I'm no, even when I'm improvising, because I've spent a lot of time improvising, like. I guess I'm fascinated. I guess part of the reason why I really fuck with the Neos, other than like you guys being like great performers, is like the idea, what's really interesting to me is like, what is the difference between performing and existing? Like, it, I really think the only difference is that somebody's watching you if you're performing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I the, the difference behaviorally between just existing as a human being and performing, like, I don't know, does this make any sense or do I sound high? I no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm like trying to replay in my mind exactly how you worded that because I really like the way you worded it. it was, what's the difference between performing and existing? 
thing? Yeah, like if you, because I don't, because going back to what you said earlier of like real shit is so much more compelling than than fake shit. And yeah. to me, no shade to Broadway, but kind of a lot of shade to Broadway. Like I go see big commercial theater and it's, I would categorize that as straight, save for like a moment here and there, I would categorize that type of show as like performance, but I'm mm -hmm. much quote unquote, I forgot I'm not releasing the video for this, <laughs> uh, but like the, as far as something like the Neos do or something that smaller downtown theaters do, or like a lot of comedy shows do like, it's I, I really fuck with stuff that blurs that line between what is a performance and what is an authentic moment, if that makes so, any sense. No, I, I, I do. I think, um, I think also what, what, what a lot of us have learned in this, um, you know, in the lockdown is that so much of what we love about theater is like the assembly part is the like getting people together in a room part. And um, sometimes even just like being in a room with somebody else can be like a theater. Uh, mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it's just telling stories. It's just existing and and uh, being in each other's company, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's where like the compelling stuff comes from. Just like invisible lines of connection drawn between people that form cool patterns. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you a question because I got into a debate with this on another Zoom call the other day. Do you think, because it's mad theater people doing uh, like read play readings over Zoom or like presentations uh, of their show over Zoom. Are we about Do to talk you, about that article that everybody hated? <laughs> oh no, I didn't, I didn't even see that. I just, I have a simple question. If, do you think that is theater? If somebody's doing their play over Zoom, do you consider that theater? Um, I think it depends. Like, is it just a play reading over Zoom? Because then like, maybe not. Let's but say, let's say that like, it is a reading, but let's say they rehearsed it. They, they had like a rehearsal and there is like, to the extent that you can do blocking over Zoom there is like blocking and staging. There was clearly consideration put into it. Um, I do, I, I do, I do. I, I think that it's uh, maybe different and maybe, and maybe by necessity is why, like it was, a, it was a necessary reason why it came in this format. Um, and maybe it's not a perfected method to deliver theater yet. But I, I do think it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think gathering in digital places can be just as um, effective as uh, in real places. It di like different, but like that doesn't mean yeah, it. For sure. It'll inevitably be different and it will always fall short. But I like, I, I, I don't really know where I fall because I, I know a lot of like hardline theater people who are like, that's not theater. Like, you can't call it that, like, don't use that name for it. And I'm like, well, I feel you, but like also what else are people gonna do? Right, um, my, my initial reaction to you, you, that voice you just did was to think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was to think, oh yeah, you know, these are the same people that are, that are putting on, you know, only Eugene O'Neill plays every year yeah. for Say like, eternity. Say yeah. it with your chest, Michael. <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so like, I don't know. I, I think the thing I, I, I say when I have these arguments with people, which I think a lot of us have been having these arguments 
the people like what is theater what does it look like digitally is that um maybe the efficacy of a lot of what we're seeing in zoom play readings isn't great but i wonder what it looks like when people start creating work for the digital theater right yes Quote unquote, the digital theater yes. and um that i think there i think there's a lot of potential there um i think that there like there, there are things you can do with technology, with the internet, with Zoom, with things like StreamYard and podcasts and uh, Instagram Live and Facebook Live that like maybe haven't been fully explored by theater makers. And I think that like, um, I wanna know what like the best version of that like Instagram yeah. Live day is, cause I bet it's dope. Yeah, I actually, I'm a, I'm a reader in a playwriting class right now and I won't, blow up his spot because I don't know if he's comfortable with me sharing his work but th suffice to say there is a writer that I know who wrote a play specifically for the zoom format that at least in its current form is so funny and like legitimately good uh theater so like that stuff is coming that's cool I, I just tried to write a play that exists entirely through a text message conversation between me <gasps> that's and the so audience cool member. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know, like what, what, or like text messages is that, that is our social interaction these days, you know, like, so why can't that be something? Yeah. 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 That's so cool. I love thinking, I just, I love thinking about how we can stretch and like break format and find something new at least because it's literally impossible to do the old shit right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and maybe maybe this can like help us break that reliance on the old shit. Yeah, yeah. Something I de I, I definitely feel like in at least creatively, and I'm sure in other facets of my life, but like I feel like I'm dependent on old shit a little too much when I could be searching for like new methods of communication, new methods of writing. Da 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 da. What kind? What kind of old shit? Like Shakespeare. No, no. I mean, I, I haven't done Shakespeare since I was in college, but like, I, just, I, I don't know. I guess I just mean like old ways of thinking. Like I, I've spent a long time being like, I mean, I'm addicted to Instagram now, but I spent a long time being like fucking social media content is bullshit. Like we should all just be, we should all be getting on stage and like fucking working it out. And I don't give a shit about your character video that you posted on Twitter. Like I don't care, but I, I, I as I've gotten older, I've, I, I just have so much respect for people who are legitimately creating new art forms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen some, uh, there, was, there was one like Zoom or Instagram live burlesque show I saw that like had this one, this one, this one performer and they were like doing burlesque in, in their garden and the, the camera was following them and you only ever saw their back. And like oh. the layers of clothing were like slowly coming off. I, I don't remember the name, but oh, I, I, like th this one act was so stunning. And it was just like the music and like the garden and the, 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 the leaves coming into the frame and the camera work and how all of these things like intersected was, I, I mean, I still think about it, you know? Yeah, that's dope. And isn't that the point of making anything is to make somebody think about your shit like days after they watched it? uh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean so. that's that's the shit i mean that's the shit that gets me like really hype about making art quote unquote but like for real like i i i just love i love if anything if anything i make makes somebody 
remember it for even 15 minutes after watching it. I'm like, great, boom, job done. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. So we're, so we're getting... If, 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 if I've had anybody say that to me. <laughs> if they've thought about your work after seeing it. Ah, shit, I lost One you. of my things, and it made, made you think about it again later, hit me up and tell me. <laughs> you have to say that again. It sounded funny, but I lost the whole first half of it. Oh no! <laughs> All right, oh, I, I, I was I was just making a plea to your audience that if anybody in the audience had seen a work of mine that they liked, that they should just like tell me. On social yeah, media. yeah. DM DM Michael or put it in the comments. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, so we're we're starting to wind down on time, but let me ask you: like, if you if I could give you a magic wand, like you know, the whole industry shut down right now. If I could give you a magic wand and like you could bring back the theater industry in New York with with one thing changed, with one big like structural change, what would you what would you say you would change? Whoa. Um and you know what? You can cheat and say a bunch of shit. You don't have to say one thing. What what was that? <clears throat> If you feel like cheating and saying more than one thing, that's fine too. It literally doesn't matter. No, I think I think I think the big structural change I would I would make is that I would um, force all of the theaters in New York City to um, take a certain amount of time, maybe one one or two years, and just not do any classic plays. Um, maybe not do any any plays that were written before the '90s. You know, like or before even 2000s um, and as, as an as an effort to like try and get new voices and new plays written uh, from different perspectives and different people totally. and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I mean, totally. I love my Shakespeare too, but I don't need to see Midsummer Night's Dream again for a while. No, no, really don't, really don't. Like Shakespeare is obviously amazing and a great educational tool for theater makers, but we do we do we need six productions of Romeo and Juliet a year? No. Like, do we really? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And that would be really hard for some of the bigger, more moneyed institutions in New York to not do classical theater. Right? Like, what? what what's, what's Shakespeare in the Park going to be? I don't know. Figure it out. Let's see it. Yeah. Something cool, I hope. Do 10 yeah. things I hate about you, the stage production in the park. Yeah. <laughs> that, te that, that technically counts as Shakespeare. It's an adaptation, sir. Yeah, well, you know, but it'd be a new script. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's really cool. And I think that's a, that's a really like practical, cool answer to, uh, to address like a really like embedded problem in the theater industry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to see, you know, I want to see more plays, uh, about about specifically about Puerto Rican people. So why aren't you writing them? I, I I am. I like. I feel like every every time I am in the Infinite Wrench, I have at least one play about being Puerto Rican. Uh, yeah. Pretty much every can you, time. So, can yeah. you recount? Can you recount one of them for us? Uh, yeah. Um, I well, I'll I'll talk about one briefly that is in in the podcast. Um, so oh, yeah. de, de Blasio canceled, uh, you know, the events in June, which include mm -hmm. uh, the Pride March and the Puerto Rican Day Parade. And so I talk a lot about like the Puerto Rican flag in, in my art because like in the 30s, 
um, it was illegal to own one, um, or maybe was that the 30s? Maybe the 40s, I don't know. Um, bad with dates. But it used to be illegal to own one, and that was punishable by like a decade in prison. And then eventually that, that law got, yeah, that law got repealed. And after that is kind of like when the Puerto Rican parade in New York was born, just like mm -hmm. as a big celebration, like these are our flags, we can own them now. Um, and as a kid, I felt like a lot of shame uh, with the Puerto Rican flag and like the loudness of people's um, like pride for their island. And I didn't really fully understand. And I think like putting that together in my adulthood has, has, has kind of like shown, sh given me more pride in just like just a simple thing like owning a flag and displaying the flag and like this is this is my act of saying like um this is who i am and like you can't um make this like this isn't illegal anymore uh this is who i am and you can't make that quiet you know a small act of rebellion um, yeah. and i wrote a i wrote a play about specifically that and it's in uh one of the episodes of the hit play podcast Amazing. I love that. So the, the ability to just express that without fear of, of ridicule or without fear from within yourself of, am I overcompensating to go back to the beginning of our conversation? Exactly. Yeah. And like a little bit of like a fuck you to colonialism too, you know, like this yeah. is, this is a flag that is not your flag. And uh, yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. Michael, thank you for being here. Thank you, Adrian. I, uh, I, hope, I hope to be able to hug you soon. I know, I know. I'm fucking going crazy. I'm literally going crazy. This yeah. is, but this was very nice to like, see you and catch up. It's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been, it has been. It has been. Too long. Far too long. All right. Uh, please, uh, before, before we sign off, uh, say something hilarious. Oh, no, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I have, whenever I have friends on the show that I like know on a personal level, I like to ambush them with that at the end of the episode. Dude, dude does everybody react the way I just react? For the most part, if it's one of my comedian friends, they'll like try to do a bit, and it always bombs, and I really love it. Horrific joke. <laughs> so yeah, so say something, say something okay. funny. Uh, something funny. Goodbye, Michael. <laughs> <laughs>for this week's episode of La Mezcla. Thank you so much to Michael and Proda for coming in. Uh, make sure to check out the New York Neo-Futurists uh, and their podcast, which was just featured in the New York Times. It's called Hit Play. Uh, and uh, thank you to Zoom, even though uh, you are my nemesis and I hate you. Thank you to Carly Hogendyke and Authentic Talent Literary Management, everybody who's listened to this show ever uh, or engaged with it on any level. Um, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And yeah, really leave a review. I'm, try I'm trying to bother people to leave reviews because I'm trying to raise the show's profile during this quarantine. Because um, otherwise, I'll, I'm, you know, I'm going insane. I'm going insane, everyone. I'm assuming everybody is, but I... It's literally 4 a.m. right now. I don't sleep anymore, and um, I'm editing this at 4 a.m. Hi. Oh, man. Listen, you and I both know. If you listen to the very end of these episodes, congratulations to you. You're like one of seven people, and um, you know by now that these outros are always me um, 
insanely monologuing. So I'm going to go smoke more marijuana now. <laughs> Have a good night, and I'll see you next week <laughs> with another episode of La Mescla. Go, but it's for-